Blue Ridge Mountain communities have a special charm unlike any other. From panoramic vistas with breathtaking views and outdoor adventures in some of the nation's most beautiful parks and forests, to cruising the Blue Ridge Parkway, America's favorite drive, it's not hard to imagine why so many people retreat into the Blue Ridge Mountains to find solace and relaxation. The towns that are scattered throughout the Blue Ridge Mountains are rich with history and Appalachian culture, where time moves at its own unhurried pace. Their picturesque streets and charming town squares create a small town vibe where locals and visitors alike gather to experience all the mountain life has to offer. Whether you're looking to hike, bike, paddle, climb, take a scenic drive, or shop, dine, visit a brewery, or vineyard, Blue Ridge Mountain Towns have something for every traveler and adventurer. I'm on a quest to experience more of these towns and all they have to offer. You're listening to Exploration Local, a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Southern Appalachian Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. Join us on our journey to explore these mountains and discover how they fuel a spirit of adventure. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. I've been thinking a lot about my conversation with Eric Woolridge from the season one episode with Destination by Design. In that episode, he and I talked about destination mountain towns, urban planning, and place-based economics. That was a new term to me, and I've been thinking a lot about that since last season. If you didn't listen to that episode, I encourage you to check it out. Eric explained place-based economics as the practice of using a community's public amenities to make economic progress. It asks the question, what resources do we have within our town or city, as well as surrounding areas that can build or boost an economy? So outside of our town, think about parks and rivers and trails and those types of natural resources. Within the town, think of what makes your town unique, right? So we're talking about main streets, town squares, quirky shops, neat restaurants, neat places to visit, all those things that would attract somebody to your particular town. And as we discuss place-based economics as it relates to our mountain towns, and Eric shared examples of projects that his firm is working on, like Boone, Elkin, Old Fort, and Chimney Rock, I had an immediate context, and his work became relatable to me because I had spent time in those towns already. And I've seen firsthand the fruits of his work. I started thinking more about why I love small mountain towns, but I was thinking of it from a different perspective. You see, for as long as I can remember, and for reasons that honestly I'm just now beginning to understand, I've been drawn to small towns, not just towns in the mountains. I'm talking about towns at the beach, towns in Europe, just small towns that had this sense of place, the sense of home, the sense of an unhurried pace. I remember as a kid visiting my dad's hometown of Cairo, Michigan. It's a small, flat, rural farming town whose population, it really hasn't increased much above 4,000 since the early 70s. But what I most vividly remember is rolling into town, rolling into that downtown area, feeling the heartbeat and the hub of the town, and seeing all the American flags lining the street and storefronts. That made an immediate impact on me. I mean, I'm talking even as a kid. And my dad used to tell me all those American flags were because he was coming home and they were celebrating the hometown hero. And then he shared the real reason, because it was the 4th of July, which also happened to be my dad's birthday. But he's still my hero. 
I also remember other small little downtown areas as a young kid too, like Somerville, South Carolina, downtown Charleston, the tree-lined streets of Battle Creek, Michigan. Amazing. And then moving to Europe in the mid-70s opened an entirely different world and culture for me. Traveling through Europe, we visited numerous small towns that had winding streets, small villages, and I mean, we went all throughout France and Belgium, Italy, Switzerland, Holland, Austria, and Spain. Spain is where we lived. We lived on the southeast coast on the Mediterranean Sea in a small little town called Chipiona, another amazing place. They were so amazing and drenched in history. They were vibrant and full of life, people coming and going, shops full of merchants, and people just seemed to be hanging out, visiting, talking, eating, drinking. They seemed to live and move at a much slower pace of life than we do. Then, when we moved back from Europe, we lived in a small coastal town of St. Mary's, Georgia, which is right on the Georgia-Florida line. Uh, It was first settled in the mid-16th century by the Spanish, so I always thought that was pretty cool, especially moving from Spain, where we lived for three and a half years in Europe. I was in the sixth grade, I believe it was, and it was the day and time when you could leave on a summer morning and you didn't come back until the sundown. You ate lunch at somebody else's house. And we rode bikes and we explored for miles. We used to ride our bikes to the state park, which was several miles away, down a two-lane road. And unfortunately, kids just don't get a chance to do that these days. But what I really remember was a small downtown that hugged the waterfront where visitors prepped to go to Cumberland Island, Georgia, which is the largest and southernmost barrier island. We would spend hours uh, along the banks there of the marsh and just watch people coming and going. And it was just a really, really cool downtown areas. So many fond memories of that town. Uh, we still stop by there whenever we can when we travel to Florida. And the memories of those carefree days come flooding back. I'm sure that you have places that you go to as well that um, you still remember. Other towns have left an impression on me too over the years. Each of them tied to memories and experiences that have helped shape who I am. And what I'm passionate about, I think even to this day, places like Blacksburg, Virginia, Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, Elkins, West Virginia, the UP Peninsula of Michigan, amazing, Gunnison, Colorado, uh, boy, I wish I could go back there. That place is absolutely amazing. That's where we went on our honeymoon. Albuquerque, New Mexico, Laredo, Texas, Damascus, Virginia, Georgetown in Northwest Washington, D.C. And I understand that's not a small town, but if you've been to Georgetown, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. The architecture, the main street, um, sort of the that small town feel, the collegiate feel to it. Savannah, Georgia, uh, Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, Birmingham, Alabama, New Orleans. Again, not a small town but a town that is uh, pretty amazing nonetheless. Richmond, Kentucky, uh, Oxford, Mississippi, and then numerous towns throughout Western North Carolina, starting with my first visit to Montreat and Black Mountain back in 1991. So when I was younger, I'm sure I was unaware of the connection between the size and location of these towns and how they inherently cause people to slow down, become less hurried, make room to breathe and connect, And although I do believe I was aware at some level, as I've gotten older, these types of towns and places are what I sought out. They are where I felt peace and hope that there is more to this crazy, fast-paced world. I believe their cumulative effect are why I live where I do today. Actually, I know that's why I live where I do today. Blue Ridge Mountain Towns are really the focus of where I'm going. But before we get there, I still would like to share some background with you so you can have a better understanding of where all this is ultimately headed. 
1993, I was fresh out of graduate school, moved to Memphis, Tennessee. And in that same year, Congress appropriated funds for the Urban Revitalization Program. And this was truly my first experience of seeing the old meet the new in regards to architecture, buildings that were once closed, now they begin to reopen. And over those next seven years, I witnessed the revitalization of old historic buildings, the infusion of new urbanism, which focused on compact, walkable neighborhoods. And it was really their attempt to create Memphis's version of the historic southern elements of, say, like Savannah or New Orleans. Now, I have to say that I owe an enormous amount of gratitude to my friend Whit Sutton, who was one of the first guys that I met when we moved to Memphis. Uh, we both worked at the University of Tennessee, Memphis, and Whit became a really, really close friend of mine, as well as my personal tour guide. Now, what I mean is Whit knew Memphis. I mean, really knew Memphis. The stories, the history, the ins and outs, the politics, the development strategy, and he was in the know about the revitalization going on throughout downtown and midtown Memphis, and it was really, really cool to see. He brought me around to many historic places so I could gain a better understanding of where I was living. Uh, to get from Memphis, or excuse me, to get from campus in Midtown to Witt's condo on the banks of the Mississippi, I would often take the long route to pass by the Lorraine Hotel. The Lorraine Hotel, if you know much of history in Memphis, that's where Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. It is also now the home of the National Civil Rights Museum. I can't explain why I took that route, that long route, but it grounded me. It connected me to a person, place, and event that truly changed this nation forever. Other times I would pass by the weathered downtown alley across from the Peabody Hotel where the Rendezvous was located. Now, if you've never heard of the Rendezvous, you're in for a treat if you ever pass through that area. They literally are the most amazing ribs that you will ever have in your life. Memphis is known as the barbecue capital of the world. A lot of people claim that to fame. I have been to a lot of those places. I've been to Texas. Lexington, North Carolina says the same thing. Memphis, I'm just saying it, don't hate me, hands down, they're the winner. But when I would go through there, I'd imagine what it must have been like in the late 40s when downtown Memphis was the shopping and business hub of the city during that period of time. And no trip to downtown Memphis would be complete without a stop by Beale Street, which is America's most iconic street and the official home of the blues. If you've ever heard of B.B. King, you listen to blues, Bill Street, he would often show up at his place. Amazing, amazing. I'll forever be grateful that I lived in Memphis during a time when the city was experiencing really what I would refer to as a modern-day renaissance. History was being infused with modern urbanism, resurgence, revitalization was bringing pride and awareness to the city, People were actually moving back downtown from the suburbs that they had fled uh, several years earlier. And I experienced a sense of place. I mean, in its truest sense, perhaps for the very first time in my adult life. Memphis is also the birthplace of my oldest daughter. So Memphis will always be near and dear to my heart. Fast forward several years, and we find ourselves here in the western North Carolina mountains. And we've been really fortunate to call Hendersonville, North Carolina home for about the past eight years. And we're extremely fortunate to experience the fruit of the hard work and vision of so many people before we came that were responsible for this five-year process to completely transform the historic downtown Hendersonville area. And it is amazing. 
To make our downtown safer and more inviting for residents and visitors, they incorporated an intentional serpentine street design. It used to be so wide, and the reason it was was because the horse carriages back in the day could make a full turn. Crosswalks at mid-blocks and at every intersection. They extended the sidewalks for increased walkability, additional street signage, um, tree-shaded mini plazas, outdoor seating, and alternating street parking. I mean, they have absolutely done an amazing job, and now they're actually extending that into some of the side streets too, especially in the 7th Street or the 7th Avenue District. And here's a really cool fun fact. According to Main Street America, since the project's completion in 2013, which is the year that we moved here, Hendersonville's downtown Main Street District has seen both positive economic impacts and increased safety. The historic downtown Hendersonville's executive director, his name is Lou Holloway. I've met him personally, and I can say he's a great guy with a huge vision for our town. He says we've seen continued gains in property investment in the form of sales and rehabilitation, new business investment, job growth, building occupancy rates, and property value increases. And when I hear all of this, it really takes me back to Eric Woolridge and Destination by Design and the benefit that can come when towns really tap into their resources and make a commitment to make their town a true destination town. The result is a town that has tapped into its rich history, recognizes all of the amazing ways to adventure, explore, renew, shop, and experience all that the area has to offer. And honestly, a sense of place has been created for residents like myself and visitors who come to Hendersonville to enjoy all that it has to offer. We'll talk more about Hendersonville in a later episode, but for now, I wanted to share where we're headed and what you can expect in some upcoming episodes of Exploration Local. There is no place I would rather live than in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and there's no place I would rather explore than the small towns that help to make these mountains what they are. They're the lifeblood of the mountains, connecting the past with the present, and they can pave the way for the future if we protect them, invest in them, support them, and live stories that they're waiting for us to tell. My hope is to introduce these adventure towns in a fresh way, but I mean, let's be real. I'm not a pioneer heading west to discover uncharted territory and chart new lands. You can pick up a map, you can visit their websites and find all you want about places to eat, things to see and do, where to stay, so on and so forth. That's not really my focus, though. What I want to do is to make these towns personal in a few ways. Number one, I want to share a firsthand account of my experience by introducing their history. I'd like to talk about the characteristics and the personality of these towns and as much as possible talk with the people that make them special. And lastly, I want to share the opportunities for adventure and exploration, which will always be an important part of this podcast and why we exist. If there's been one redeeming silver lining from this pandemic, it's that more and more people have been staying local. And when I mean local, I'm talking like one to three hours from home. Towns like Bryson City and Chimney Rock, for example, have reported a huge increase in in-state travelers due to this pandemic. And I think it's awesome that more and more people are turning to the mountains for rest and relaxation during these times, especially our mountains here in the Blue Ridge. And this brings me full circle back to Eric Woolridge and Destination by Design. One of the reasons their work resonates with me so much is because they partner with communities who recognize who they are and what they have to offer travelers and locals alike. They're helping communities tap into their heritage and resources to create a sense of place for its residents and a destination where you and I can relax and unwind. 
In some instances, the towns where they work are right now on the precipice of a modern-day revival. Old Fort, North Carolina immediately comes to my mind. In the next few years, in my mind, Old Fort is really going to be coming into its, its, its own. And more and more people are going to hear about this amazing place. There are already waterfalls and other hiking trails that are nearby. You have like 25 miles worth of trails for hiking and mountain biking that are being constructed uh, and mapped out as, as we speak. You have the Fontaflora Trail that's coming through there. Kitzbow Mountain Biking Apparel Company is there. You have coffee shops that are opening up. Hillman Brewery has a location right on the creek. It's beautiful. So there's a lot of things that are getting ready to explode there at Old Fort, and it's going to be fun to watch this place develop. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about the Blue Ridge Mountains, we're talking about a stretch of about 550 miles long, right? So we're talking from Georgia up to Pennsylvania. That's the stretch of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And we're not just talking about North Carolina. So my heart and my hope is that we are going to explore a lot of these mountain towns. Some of them are very, very well known. Some of these may not be as well known, but our heart and our focus is going to be to go to those towns that are really kind of tapping into their natural resources. They're tapping into who they are. They want to share that with the world, really. And they want to have those things be an attraction to them. And so that's our hope. We're going to try to adventure and explore as many of those small towns and introduce those small towns to you as we possibly can. And again, we're talking about three aspects of it. We're going to talk about their history. We're going to talk about the things that make them unique. And then we're going to point out as much as we can about the things that are adventurous and things to explore and do right around those small towns. So that's one of the hopes that we have going forward. There's also something else I hope comes from these episodes. A desire in you to explore where you live with fresh eyes and an open mind. I encourage you to look at where you live through the eyes of a tourist or a visitor. Visit your local visitor center or chamber of commerce. Take a walking tour of your city. Visit a museum to learn interesting facts or history about where you live. And head out to the outskirts of town with a full tank of gas and no agenda and see what things you can discover. I promise you, it will be worth it. It always is. Next week, I'll introduce Hickory Nut Gorge, a place that has become very special to me and is packed with so many things to do and places to discover. Every time I leave there, I do so with an anticipation to return and a longing to experience the things that time just didn't allow. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I really hope you'll join us next week as we explore and discover the Hickory Nut Gorge, Chimney Rock Village, Lake Lure, and the whole surrounding area and perhaps grow your list of places to visit for your upcoming getaway, or see this area with a fresh perspective if you have visited there before. Until then, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local.